every successful person got there by going through tough times. Success is a hard-ass teacher who likes to knock you around along that journey. You know, it takes real guts to not give up and keep going. We'll hear stories about failures and how these leaders flipped the script to create success. I'm John Schultz. Join me and let's discover how success is never really overnight. So welcome to the John Schultz podcast. We have an amazing guest today, Wei Lee. What, what a career, what a great person. Uh, she joined BlackRock in 2010. She was the head of investment strategy, ETF and index investments. And today she is global chief investment strategist of BlackRock Investment. Uh, huge company, so many assets, so many uh, places in the world you have to think about. Uh, very exciting uh, job. And thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Great to meet you, John. Great to see you. All right. So th th what I love about my podcast is we start real early. I, you know, I feel with all the guests that I've had on and we've had a lot now, thank thankfully, you know, the, the stories that are shaped when people are young, some of the, uh, the things that they go into in the future were shaped by that. So I'd like to start out by saying, you know, how would you describe yourself, in, you know, in your upbringing and your childhood when you're growing up? Um, wow. Okay. So we're going all the way back. Um, all right. So I was uh, born in uh, China in this very little known city called Chongqing that has 36 million people. So just sitting in the middle of China and uh, growing up, it was a simple uh, childhood. My parents uh, uh, were teachers uh, in Chongqing, but as uh, China opened up, they gave up their steady job uh, in the middle of China to join the coastal south opening up and they took me with them. So this um, ability of theirs or the courage of theirs to just restart, give up everything and restart, I think very much impacted me uh, up to uh, this day and uh, following them to coastal south uh, in China, uh, growing up in a city called Shenzhen, a very small city of 20 million people. And, <laughs> and then I had the opportunity to study overseas uh, in Singapore, in the UK, and after I graduated from uh, the UK university where I studied mathematics. I then came to London, uh, and that's uh, how I started in finance. Wow. So, so were there any things you know during that time that pushed you towards finance? Like, what what made you think that that was something for you? What other hobbies did you have? You know, what other uh, things did you uh, or were you interested in growing up? Well, um, I was always interested in mathematics. Uh, it's like a beautiful language that transcends borders, that transcends kind of different ways of uh, thinking, and it's very logical. Um, so I was studying mathematics in um, university, and at the time, the ultimate year, all the cool kids in school were applying for internship in Wall Street, in uh, Canary Wharf. And I was like, okay, well, uh, what was the fuss uh, about? So, you know, I was a very competitive person. So I applied for what everybody was applying for. And I was lucky to get a few offers. And the rest is uh, history. I wouldn't say that I planned to be in finance from the very beginning. You know, frankly, I didn't really 
really quite know uh, what finance was, but it was really this uh, this this competitive, I guess, competitive spirit that pushed me in this direction. And I really liked what I experienced on the trading floor, uh, and then subsequently uh, in asset management. And I uh, I stayed. So you said you studied abroad. Where did, where did you study, and and how how did that go? Um, I studied in Singapore for uh, four years, and I studied in the UK for my uh, undergrad uh, degree. How did that go? I was quite good in school, so it went quite well. Good, 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 <laughs> yeah. good. And and what was the first job you had coming out of uh, college? First job I had coming out of college, I was uh, I, I I started my uh, uh, career in finance in Lehman Brothers, so rates sales trading, and then I uh, went to Citigroup on the equity derivative trading desk, and then from Citigroup I moved to um, BlackRock, initially starting in the ETF business, as you uh, mentioned, John, and then I moved into kind of the broader uh, platform of BlackRock Investment Institute and took up the role of uh, the global chief strategist. So all the roles, they, I think, are very much related in that they require uh, a very quick way of uh, thinking and digesting incoming information. Uh, but the way to kind of uh, express the ideas, uh, they differ from role to role. What, do you, what were some of the challenges you faced, you know, I guess, going into your first job, being in a career that was new to you, what are some things that, that you think shaped the direction you went or, or some of the decisions that you made and, and, and you know, uh, and how you move forward, really, in, in your career? Absolutely. So challenges, you know, as you as you uh, see, uh, John, I um, uh, grew up in China. I grew up in Singapore. I grew up in the UK. English is not my first language. So then starting uh, a job on the trading floor where everybody speaks very, very quickly, you know, like it was a real problem. I could barely understood what people were talking about. And then having to articulate my views and really getting my voice across in a debate, it was um, it was intimidating to start with, right? And I don't speak very quickly and I need to organize my thoughts before I articulate them. So that was a real challenge with the language uh, initially. But then at some point, I think my, um, my mindset just switched in that I'm like, okay, people know that my English is not very good, but maybe that can be my get out of jail free card. So if I were to say something stupid, people will think that, oh, no, poor thing is because her English is not very good. But if I were to say something smart, they will give me um, uh, they, they, they will give me all the credit and think that, well, that's because Wei is super smart. So once I once I think like that. English not being my first language become a superpower in that it's my get out of jail free card and it allows people to give me the benefit of the doubt if I say something not so clever, right? So, so it's, it's not so much about kind of improving in the language itself, but it's about kind of making a mental switch in my head as I interact in this dynamic environment. And and, and so I would say that's the first challenge that I had. And I, I was able to kind of turn that into an advantage and this mindset of turning the table and really kind of thinking about how can, how I can change things to my to my advantage uh, has been something that I try to keep uh, every step of the way. You know, I love that because I, I think 
you know, we, we look at things through our own projections of what we think is happening or what, you know, or triggers of what we've had in our lives that have happened to us. And one of the key phrases I always say to myself when I'm looking at a situation that may feel uncomfortable or maybe I have doubts is like, let me look at this a different way. Yeah. And what I love about it is that you made this into a superpower. Like you even made it into a bigger sort of push uh, for your mindset to, to get through things. I, I think that's incredible. It's almost like you could come up with crazy ideas and you felt, you know, it was something that if something stuck, it was good. If not, it was just like, okay, you know, maybe I didn't understand it as well enough. Are, are there any other jewels like that, that, you know, being in such a high paced, you know, fast, you know, large market cap business that you feel you learn because, you know, you've been at multiple companies now. Is there anything you could tell the younger generation that would, you know, maybe give them some good ideas? Absolutely. So maybe I say two things. First is that I think it's important to be comfortable with just 80% good enough. Right. So when I first started uh, working, um, I was quite good at school and I was a perfectionist. So everything I was given, I really spent all the time and energy to make sure that it was like down 100 percent before I submitted, before I kind of uh, uh, move on to the next task. And that was fine and that was good. And it was important in building the credibility of being able to do something to a hundred percent good but the downside of that is sometimes i submit the uh, output late because i wanted it to be perfect or and and because of that i didn't get given more you know important things because i was always busy trying to take the task to a hundred percent good and what i then subsequently realized is that oftentimes especially in a fast-paced environment uh, where you need to react to something very, very quickly and then there's something else that comes along and we need to react to that uh, piece of information very, very quickly. Just getting to 80% is more than good enough. And in fact, uh, having the reputation of being able to dynamically and holistically react um, because you're able to process things very, very quickly is just as important as having the reputation of being able to do something to 100% perfection. Uh, and I think recognizing when is the time for 100% and when is the time for 80% is, uh, is a critical skill set that, you know, one needs to develop through the course of your career and then being comfortable as a perfectionist uh, with uh, just being 80% good enough is, uh, is important as well. So that's the first thing I would say. And, and, and I really had to learn it the hard way as I came through uh, the different uh, roles that I have had. And the second thing I would say is uh, this is a piece of advice I was given uh, on the trading floor from the senior uh, investor that I was working with back then. And, and his uh, comment to me was away you know, you're just starting out, just make sure you are replaceable. I'm like, what do you mean? You mean irreplaceable, right? My English is not very good. You mean irreplaceable. I heard irreplaceable. He's like, no, just make sure that you're replaceable. Make sure nothing goes wrong when you go on holiday and make sure that uh, when new opportunities come up, you can be in a position to be elevated because nothing is going to drop and, 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 and nothing is going to go wrong. And 
so, so that's somewhat counterintuitive in that, especially in a in a in an environment where um, things are difficult and markets can be tough, and 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 you you know the the natural tendency is to build a mold around what you do and 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 be very irreplaceable, so nobody can touch me. But against that natural tendency, I really go went out of my way to make sure that. I am the most replaceable person on the team. You know, like uh, I, I have a little book of what I do every day. I have a, uh, um, that I share with everyone. I have um, uh, uh, notebooks of the projects that I'm responsible for so people know exactly what went in and exactly what went out and what to do with it. And then as, um, as, as I did all of that, new opportunities came up. And as, you know, the, the, the decision makers look around the floor and say who we could elevate um, uh, to 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 take this new responsibility, the two questions that they would ask is, um, is this person good? And then also, can we kind of take this person out of the existing role? And and being replaceable allowed me to say yes to the second question. And then obviously, uh, you know, the, the 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 first criteria is that you you gotta be good. But this is actually a really great piece of advice that I was very grateful to have been given very early on in my career. And, um, and through being very replaceable every step of the way, I've had the, uh, the luck and the privilege to be given responsibilities that I, um, I then was uh, able to step up uh, into. I, I think that's brilliant. I've heard, you know, I've he- heard that before from different people that, you know, at the end of the day, you'll be stuck in your job if someone else can't step up and and and, and have that role. H- how do you think the people that worked in your group benefited from that mindset? And do you see that that was a contagious mindset from people that you know within the companies that you worked at that created a bigger picture for them as well? Like like how did that is that is that would you say someone that leads needs to deploy uh, successfully? Yeah, two things I would um, say in response to that, uh, John. The first is that how do people benefit from this mindset? Well, it's great for cross-learning and cross-training when new joiners come onto the team, when new uh, junior members start out in their career. If everybody operates with a I want to be replaceable mindset, then uh, this open book mindset, then people can learn and, and, and the team can progress effectively, right? So, so that's the first thing. So it's clearly beneficial. But the second thing I would say is that I think in order for this to be truly part of the culture from a senior manager perspective, uh, we need to put in a incentive system, incentive scheme that actually rewards people that operate in a open book mindset, right? So the reason that people... Uh, sometimes can close uh, uh, themselves up is because they're fearful of um, of being replaced. There uh, uh, and 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 if we recognize people who are training the rest of the team uh, to be more effective by uh, giving up their uh, learnings and secrets and tricks and 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 experiences then actually that helps uh, create this culture where uh, collectively it's greater than the sum of parts absolutely and it's more fun i think people at that point own their jobs their roles 
you know, uh, everyone wants to feel that they're adding to the to the picture. So I, I think it's t tremendous. And, and, you know, people can sense when someone's holding back and not, in, not allowing them to feel their growth. And, you know, mm -hmm. great leaders do not do that. So, all right, you had all these amazing sort of stepping stones and different great companies. You know, you landed at BlackRock. What a great company, huge company and, you know, a leader in, in lots of different ways. So what would you say is some of the most exciting parts about your current role today? Uh, and the cool thing that I love about your story is, you know, here you are, English is, was, wasn't your first language and like your CNBC, your Bloomberg, you're, you know, you're all over TV and everyone can, you know, can enjoy your knowledge. So what would you say are some of the, the best, most exciting things you do today? Yeah, sure. Uh, John, I don't know if you can tell, I'm actually an introvert. So, you know, speaking in public uh, and speaking in uh, a big group setting doesn't come naturally to me. So what's actually really interesting about my job uh, is about pushing the boundary to enjoy a situation that uh, I do not naturally have the natural affinity for, right? So I'm an introvert. How do I kind of push myself to uh, embrace and enjoy the, the 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 public speaking side of my job? You know, like I I um, I uh, uh, rolled out this grassroots uh, initiative within BlackRock called Quiet Riot that allows introverts to to really navigate a more uh, uh, um, loud environment and, and really share tips about how to do public speaking and how to how to maybe even navigate small talks during drinks you know that sort of thing so that has been that's been fun my job uh, makes me see the importance of that and being able to kind of progress and 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 bring more people on that journey has been hugely hugely rewarding i would also say uh, another aspect of my job. So when I first started um, working as an investment strategist, going from an investor to an investment strategist, again, the, the public speaking part is the new dimension of the job. And back then, my, um, my direct manager, Steve Cohen, who is now the uh, uh, um, head of BlackRock in the EMEA region, but back then he was responsible for investment strategy. And he was... This he, he's still this uh, middle-aged white man <laughs> that gives uh, market uh, presentations and 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 have uh, market conversations with clients. So I was kind of learning from him, and I was trying to learn not only the content but also the style because he was doing it so uh, well and so effortlessly. So I was uh, I, I was I was copying his jokes about politics. I was. Uh, copying his uh, uh, opening about football, and you know, and I try to deliver that um, uh, uh, when I was then presenting the the, the the presentation, and then it never worked, right? Like it never worked because I couldn't care less about you know football, and <laughs> you know, like and so 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 at that point, Steve gave me this uh, piece of advice that uh, that that has been very um, helpful to me to this day, which is that you know you can never be a better Steve Cohen than Steve Cohen, but you can be a better version of Wei Li. Uh, so really think about what is unique about you, and make that um, make that your superpower. So the English aspect, the 
you know, English is one way of doing that. But then he gave me another tip that I sometimes still use, which is that well, you have this unique、uh, kind of background of、uh, growing up in China, growing up in Singapore, growing up in the UK. And many of the the people that you speak with、uh, do not have this diverse background. So why don't you, you know, like start your conversations or presentations with a Chinese saying,、uh, and then you know you could then build the narrative、uh, kind of from there. And then who is going to challenge your Chinese saying? Because you know, like you're the most times the the the, the only Chinese speaking person in the in the group. So so you know, understanding where my unique. Dimension is and really turning that to my advantage and unique correct、uh, characteristic is、uh, is is a great lesson. So I never try to be a、uh, middle-aged white man anymore, and I just try <laughs> to be a better so... version of myself. Well, and, you're and being be, you. Like that, you can't be a better you. That's the that I mean. But once you embrace that. Like that's when our superpowers appear, right? Because it, like it's all confidence, and I like you know it's funny you say about this、uh, introvert. So I, you know my business is real estate, and we own office buildings, and we own places that people gather. And I always said to myself, like we're building these big open bullpens, forgetting about fifty percent of the people are introverts, and and what are we doing? So I think the whole environment of how we work has to be a little. Bit rethought of, about. There are people that are introverts, and they're not the same as extroverts. And how do we commingle everyone in a space to make、mm. it, you know, better for everyone? And you know, it's talking about space. You know, and you, you're you're talking about you know training people to replace you, creating all these little tidbits of, of advice that you got being around people. What's your feeling about like this whole thing since COVID with work at home and remote work and Do you feel the generation after us will have the same benefit of all the things that you learn the way it's going now? Absolutely. Actually, John, can I unpack something that you just talked about in terms of introverts, and I'm going to link that in into this、uh, work from home question that you just absolutely. absolutely because absolutely. they're very much related. So you know, there is this misconception about、uh, introverts not. Uh, liking or not being able to interact with people or not being able to do public speaking. Actually, that's totally wrong. In that introverts and extroverts, the definition is representative of how individuals would like to recharge. It's not represent. It's not representative of the ability. So introverts can do all of the things that we just talked about, but then when we are tired, we like to recharge by. Myself,、uh, ourselves, rather than kind of mingling with、uh, with people and talking things out loud, right? So, so here the difference is that I'm an introvert and my husband is an is an extrovert. So by the end of each long working day, we both go home, and I want to relax by just being by myself on the couch, and then、right. he wants to relax by talking about his day.、Uh, so. <laughs> So, so this is kind of where the only differences are. But in terms of how we kind of navigate the the dynamics in the office and interaction with people and doing public speaking and speaking up at、um, big meetings, it's actually quite hard to to tell the difference because it's it's more about preferences rather than ability. So that's the first thing I would say. But then linking to your question, John, about、um, the uh, uh, working from home, the pandemic,、um, I, I think.、Uh, If there is one silver lining、uh, that comes out of this tragic 
two years, two years and a half that the whole world uh, kind of uh, experienced uh, is that uh, it shows that actually flexibility is possible. Right, flexibility is possible. There have been just incredible kind of uh, um, uh, examples of how uh, technology brings brought the world together in an effective way, and I think that it's important not to not to forget that. Now, having said that, even introverts like me missed the office terribly, terribly during lockdowns.、So、I was very, very happy then. That finally things are kind of getting back,、uh, getting back to normal. But remembering, you know, like thinking about kind of the pendulum swing, we went from a hundred percent in the office to a hundred percent at home, and now we're swinging back.、Uh, really being thoughtful about the benefits of different styles and how to kind of bring them together is、um, is、uh, is is important and 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 not to not to forget. And now it feels like the Pendulum is swinging towards、uh, more、uh, presence in the office, which makes sense because we came from the the the, the terrible two years and a half that it, that was the pandemic,、um, and it feels great to be back in the office. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, I listen. I I feel flexibility is is paramount to our brains feeling okay, right? Like you you need to feel you 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 can have that in your life. You know, I just hope that we all like know that. Like, I don't know. Most of the greatest things I learned was from someone that I didn't realize I was going to be with that moment. It was all happenstance. So, we need a combination, I think, because I think it's going to be good for、uh, everyone involved. Okay, so here you are now. In this, you know, you're you're been in this job. Can you give us a little bit about some of the current responsibilities? Uh, that you you have today.、Uh, obviously, we see you because you're public on on different channels, and so and a little bit about maybe more about what you you, you focus on week in and week out. Absolutely. So、um, myself and my team、uh, leverage the macro insights portfolio construction research to generate asset allocation views across、uh, equities, bonds. Public market, private market, and we take those insights to,、uh, on the one hand, clients across the world; on the other hand, investors from across the platform internally. So, as I think about kind of my job, I spend, I would say, half of the time、uh, generating content, thinking about ideas. Uh, working with the team to stress test and and really making sure that the stuff that we bring to the table are of great quality. And I spend the other half equally divided between、um, making sure that we deliver the content to external stakeholders that are our clients and internal stakeholders that are investors. And the conversations are. Two ways in that I oftentimes, having produced the content and the ideas, then go into discussions only to be persuaded. Actually, the reverse, the the, the opposite of the ideas, make more sense. So I often learn a lot、uh, from、uh, clients and investors from all across the world, which is why, especially at a time like this when markets are super interesting and super、uh, volatile, and、uh, we're really in uncharted territories. Uh, in terms of the regime change, I feel very, very privileged and lucky to be in this seat and have and to have this platform because it's a it's an incredibly enriching learning experience for me personally and professionally. 
it sounds daunting to me, like global investment strategists, like where do you start? What, what are some of the challenges like you have to get your brain around week in and week out on where you like, cause these are all ideas, right? So how do you frame yourself without feeling overwhelmed every week on where you start and, and maybe give some insight to that? Yeah, I think the, 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 the challenge and now kind of tying back to what we talked about earlier in terms of the, the mindset of processing quick and uh, uh, vast incoming information, the challenge is to, is to loop through the noise. The challenge is to cut through the noise because uh, markets will focus on one narrative at a time, but market attention span is also very, very short. So you can pivot between narratives very, very quickly and not having an anchor means that one gets lost very easily amid a huge amount of information that uh, one gets presented with on a daily basis, right? So the challenge is to really have the anchor and the conviction to look through uh, the, the, the noise, to cut through the noise. Um, and in order to do that, having a very coherent framing of how the world operates and how economies is evolving is uh, is important which is why now giving a little bit more details uh, uh, now the the way that we have been kind of articulating the world after the pandemic i.e um, we're in a new regime because the drivers of economic cycles uh, just went from demand side of the equation to supply constraint that anchor has really helped me and my team process incoming information in a truly, I believe, uh, additive way um, to our clients and investors. It's, it, it's amazing. I, I, I guess you're right. You have to frame how you're going to look at what you're looking at at a, at a certain point and sort of see how it's flowing from that premise. And we had such a tragic two years of, of the, you know, what went on with the pandemic. And everything, if you look now, is changed a bit, right? So you got to, you got to, and that's like not being afraid to be uncomfortable, like looking at things in a new way, which, you know, your firm does and you do. And it must be exciting to dive into that every day. It's, it's terrific. Uh, yeah. So maybe a, a couple fun questions before we, we end. You know, what do you enjoy outside of investing? I mean, obviously, you put a lot of time and energy into this. Is there anything... Uh, you like as hobbies or outside what you do? I love golf, but golf does not love me back. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I, I might be playing at a pro-am tournament next year. I have been training for that. Um, and there are days where my game is good, but on most other days, my game is not good. And it's so frustrating because it's not a straight line. It's not like you put in the hours and you just improve. You can put in the hours and then your, 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 your whole kind of swing just breaks down. And, and you're like, why, you know, why somebody, I gave me, somebody gave me a great uh, saying that I say to myself every time I play. We've only rented the game. We do not own it. It's, it's a rental. And some days the rental shows up and other days it doesn't. But it, it, it's an amazing life sport, friend sport, business sport. It's worth the aggravation to, uh, and it's challenging, right? You're, mm. you, you always gotta, you know, and it's a mental game. So I think it has a lot of the things that actually give you good skill sets to be great at business. Uh, 
That's right, business and also life. The reason that I picked up golf in the in the first place uh, was really because my husband played golf a lot, and then I realized, you know, I travel all the time and I work a lot during the week, and if I don't play golf over the weekend, I basically don't see my husband. So, so that's how I I picked up. And uh, oh, that's terrific! Now also playing golf, the the you know like. What in his book is the romantic kind of gesture gift is a golf we can get away. I think he's benefiting from that more than more than me. But well, <laughs> listen, at least you you're you're doing it together, so that's fun. You can do some other things while you go to. And there are some beautiful golfers. I mean, it's fun. You get to see so many different places. So another one, if your career was in finance wasn't an option, what 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 else would you do if if it, if you weren't in Ooh, finance? Um, I might become a sushi chef. I, really? I, I love the, um, the, you know, uh, omakase chef. Like I, I love the, the, the precision and the, and the beauty that, that is part of kind of being a sushi chef and, you know, the knives and, and everything. It, there's something very cathartic and therapy. And it's creative. It's like art. It, it is creative. It is yeah. creative. And it's creative in a contemporary art type of way in that they create this thing as the consumer of the the the, the omakase. You you know, you don't quite get it, but you're like, okay, it must be good because it comes from the chef. So there's something very, very nice about it. So as I might want to become that, but uh, I may not be able to because uh, uh, I, I I love food too much, so I might just end up eating them all. Well, maybe, listen, them you can do it part time, right? You can do it at home for yourself. You don't need the. But I love that you love that. That's so good. And golf, I love golf. It's uh, good for you. It's you know, I find you know we all need balance of, and I'm not saying like to balance isn't like a certain time slot to do things. It's just. Having other things that you can learn and be and do just opens up us to everything that we're doing, uh, you know, in, in total. So I think it's a good thing. And I and uh, so anyway, so thank you so much for doing this. This was so, so good. I learned a lot. Uh, you reinforced a lot for me. And uh, I just love the way you think and how you go about uh, your process of of, uh, you know, talking about it. And uh it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you so much, John, for having me. I look forward to following you going forward. I really have fun. Hi, John Schultz here. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Would really appreciate it if you would like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Looking forward to being with you soon.